0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to That Time When, the comedy history podcast where we tell you all about something strange that happened in history. My name is Amelia Edwards, and with me, as ever, is my co host Barnaby King.
1: Greetings. Hello. Hello.
0: You've gone a bit odd there. Are you okay?
1: Yeah, I'm fine. You? Fabulous.
0: I'm very well because I've just been abroad.
1: Ooh. For
0: the first time in several years.
1: Several years? No. That's not true. Lockdown. I know, but I swear you went abroad earlier. Like, Lockdown. Yeah, fair enough.
0: Yeah, it has been a while. Um, and I went to Portugal, Woo! which means that we get a chance today to look at Portuguese history.
1: Hooray!
0: Which, to be honest, I did not know much about.
1: No, I can't say I really know much about it. Apart, like, the only thing that comes to mind is the uh, peninsula a war in yeah. uh, the Napoleonic Wars.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's mostly
1: because of Sharp.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and in Sharp, Portugal mostly just gets to be really dry mountains. Yeah, pretty much. Which I've got to say doesn't really match with what I saw of Portugal. It's very green. No, very but, green place. But you
1: did see a lot of Sean Beans wandering around going, you bastard.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so. While I was in Portugal, I was actually in Lisbon, the mm-hmm. capital city of Portugal, and I went on a walking tour because I love a walking tour yep
1: yeah, we did uh we did our one when we went to Berlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've referenced it before with the statue of Naked Dude Punching a Horse yeah, we also <laughs> did one in Oslo. yes, we did, yeah, I forgot about that, yeah. Oh, but that wasn't a walking tour, that was a kayaking tour.
0: No, we did a walking tour as well, remember? Because we got told about those guys who skied.
1: Oh, yes, we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. God, we do like walking tours, don't we?
0: I love a walking tour.
1: <sighs> so middle-aged. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but most people who go on walking tours are actually pretty young. They are, aren't they? It's surprising. Like, I went on this walking tour and my mum was definitely the oldest person there yeah. by far. Yeah. Oh, well. Anyways. That aside, Mm. definitely go on a walking tour when you go to a new (laughs) city, because it is a great way to learn about the history, and the people who run them are usually pretty well-informed and Mm. love their city, and they're just kind of cool, so that's all right.
1: I mean, I've been on minimal walking tours, but the ones I've been on have been great.
0: Yeah. So uh, today, I'm going to talk to you about a little snippet of Portuguese history, Okay. which is about the revolution of 1974.
1: Whoa. So that's quite
0: recent. Yeah, that is really recent, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Now, this is one of those weird things where the Iberian Peninsula, as in Spain and Portugal, is... Yeah. Um, they started off having their own authoritarian regimes around the time everyone got their own authoritarian regime. Right. Um, like the 1930s. Yeah. And then they just held on to them all the way into the 70s. Oh, damn. And no one really talks about it because they didn't bother anyone else in Europe.
1: Yeah. Well, that's that's the way to do it, isn't it? That's how um Mao survived so long, was mm. he killed all his own people. Yeah, And that's left true. everyone else alone.
0: Ah. Uh, I reckon he probably killed some Vietnamese at some point, oh, as yes, well. but I
1: mean he didn't he didn't you know march into europe,
0: oh yeah don't don't invade Europe and you get yeah. to be fine, yeah um, <laughs> you can with-
1: kill as many of your own people and sort of vague neighboring places if you're far enough away, mm-hmm. but if you go near North America or into mainland Europe, no,
0: yeah, um a side note to this is that Portugal also had its empire up until the 70s as well
1: that was a portuguese empire
0: well it had a lot of colonies and i guess that would count oh, so okay.
1: oh of course because uh, is that why it's south america you get places speaking portuguese
0: well that's true um i don't f- know if there were any south american parts of the portuguese right. empire as i will call it okay um in the 70s they definitely did well, invade brazil yeah like way back in the that, day
1: yeah that, that's what i mean like Because initially, when I think of Portugal, I don't think of any sort of like expansionism or colonialism or anything like that. But clearly, there is some, because you know Brazil, they speak Portuguese. That's
0: true. They also had parts of Africa. Oh, okay. They also had an island near Japan.
1: Oh, wow. And they also
0: had Macau up until 1999. Bloody hell! Right? Yeah. Apparently, they tried to give it back to the Chinese, but (laughs) the Chinese didn't want it. (laughs)
1: Wow That's That's almost impressive I
0: know right I... Anyways Yeah So they kept going For a while on that I mean Not as long as us Because we've still got Some colonies But um... Well yeah
1: But that's because We're British damn it. <laughs> we deserve an empire uh,
0: But in terms of like Having land in Africa Which had mostly decolonized by this point yeah. They kept going For a long long time yeah, Fair enough And this will come Into our story Right Okay, so, um, to give you a little bit of backstory to this revolution, Mm -hmm. um, Estado Novo, which was the second Portuguese republic, was the authoritarian regime that had been in charge of Portugal since 1933. Right. Um, And they were mostly underneath the... Prime Minister Antonio de Oliveira Salazar, which I think is the best name if you're going to be an authoritarian yeah. prime minister,
1: Salazar. Absolutely. That is a name that's going to be featured on all the posters.
0: Yeah. Um. So Salazar is kind of an interesting despot, I guess. Okay. Um He's the Prime Minister. They also had a president, but as far as I can tell, he's got the power, Salazar does. Um, And he maintained control by mostly trying to focus on the economy, which Mm. had been really shockingly bad, and also making everyone stay really Catholic.
1: Right, okay. So there's like
0: a little bit of a connection in Portuguese people's minds when I talk to to them about it, Mm. between the authoritarian regime and catholicism they saw catholicism as like a way of maintaining control over the people yeah and they also um like the people i was talking to were mostly very liberal people living mm. in lisbon and they kind of felt like oh um, so, uh,
1: sorry so you were talking to the metropolitan liberal elite, were you 100% you weren't talking to the real people the people who've been left behind
0: no i didn't go out into the countryside <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so there's there's still that kind of feeling. Yeah. And I think that they still have some people who live, like, in more rural areas who kind of wish that the authoritarian regime was still in control, you know, as, yeah. as one would. Yeah. Because, you know, stability.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, there's people like that everywhere.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. So Salazar basically ruled for decades. And then he died of a stroke in 1968. Oh, right. Um, so by the time we're talking about, the new prime minister was Marcelo Caetano.
1: It's oh, not as good a name. It's
0: not as good a name. And so we can see why he only lasted six years. Yeah. Um, now, Estado Novo's regime did help bring the Portuguese economy up to roughly the level of other Western European countries, as um, far as I can tell. Okay,
1: that's pretty impressive.
0: But... It still had the lowest per, cap- per capita income in Western Europe, yep. along with the highest rate of preventable deaths, okay. and the highest infant mortality rate in Europe.
1: I mean, this is what's going to happen when you get your authoritarian regimes.
0: Yeah, which is it's a bit weird because when you read up about Estado Novo, the people who started this regime genuinely wanted to help. The poor, But I think mm. they're the kind of people who try to help the poor by increase, improving the economy right. without thinking about how to spread that around. Now, the other issue is to do with the colonies. Okay. So the Portuguese colonial war had started in 1961. And this meant basically... The people of Angola, Guinea-Bissau, and Mozambique were fighting against the Portuguese because they wanted their right. independence. Okay. Had you ever heard of the no. Portuguese colonial
1: war? No. W- uh, was Britain involved at all? We were not. Re- oh. Now we're meant to be por- like Portugal is Britain's oldest ally.
0: Yeah, but Estado Novo doesn't like anything British. Ah. Like Estado Novo at one point were vaguely fascist.
1: Ah, right. And yeah.
0: then they decided to stop being fascist because fascism is so p- pro-Britain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's hard to deny, but
0: <laughs> I think it's I think it's hilarious. Yeah. You well, heard it here, folks. The Portuguese authoritarian regime <laughs> felt that fascism would be too pro-British. Why? Well, okay, so I actually kind of see this. Like, the Nazis tended to like the British. Um, I think the Italian fascists did too. I guess it's because of the whole Roman thing and also Anglo-Saxon thing because they bring in, like, elements of paganism.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, there are other reasons for that, particularly Nazis. Yeah, I know, I know.
0: But, like, for instance, the Portuguese never brought in any paganism into their authoritarian regime Mm. because they're so Catholic. Yeah. So they felt that the Nazis were suspicious because of their use of pagan symbols, yeah. for instance. So anyway, apparently Estado Novo doesn't really like Britain. Mm. We still have the longest like friendship going on, yeah. but it's a bit cool at this point. Yeah. And They didn't ask for our help, apparently. And no one else in the rest of Europe really wanted to be part of the Portuguese colonial (laughs) war. So Portugal, despite being an authoritarian regime, was part of the UN. And the UN was like, stop doing this colonial war. No (laughs) one wants it. The Americans were like, don't do this. Apparently Kennedy was like, don't do it. And they were like, we're doing it.
1: And everyone just let them because everyone just kind of forgot about Portugal. Mm. Like. poor portugal well <laughs> it's just kind of there
0: yeah no one no one's ever really made a big deal about portugal no. except for napoleon and yeah he wanted every country yes so. true
1: um that that was more about you know getting control of spain yeah. than it was about portugal itself
0: awkward um, okay. Also, Estado Novo had this whole idea that the colonies are more like a region of Portugal than right, a colony. Right. So they're yeah. not going to let these places go. Yeah. So instead, they sent out around 148,000 men to these three different nations to try and gain control. Damn. Um, now, more than 8,000 Portuguese soldiers died in the next 13 Ooh, years.
1: That's so. Bad
0: it's not great. No. Um as, as a little side note to this, like i i'm obviously focusing on the portuguese response to yeah. this and why they hate it, but i do feel it's worth saying that there were more than 26,000 casualties for the freedom fighters. Oh damn. And they had loyal african troops um who were also killed. Oof. So 7,447 uh, loyal african troops were executed damn. possibly at the end of the war, i wasn't sure. Oh, that's grim. Yeah. So it's a really grim war. Yeah. And people are really starting to fight against it, you know, Vietnam style.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: And there's also things like there were public outcries in Portugal against the Wiriyamu massacre, which was where we're not sure what happened, but the popular explanation of this is that Portuguese soldiers were ordered to kill all the civilian inhabitants Oof. of the village of Wiriyamu. Yeah. So people are like, nope, 100%, this is not okay.
1: Yeah. Did the, did the soldiers do it? They did. Oof.
0: Well, we don't know if it was the Portuguese. It might have been somebody else. Right. But the common t- telling of it is that yeah. it was the Portuguese soldiers who did it.
1: Damn.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, women and children and no yeah. one was armed kind of situation. Yeah. And yeah. Certainly so, not
1: sporting.
0: Not sporting. Portuguese people who are still back in Portugal, you know starving are not happy about this either because obviously
1: they're they're not a fan yeah you've got nothing to be happy about in that situation no it's like i'm starving the government isn't doing anything about this but they're happy to just you know kill a bunch of people in another country because they're focused on that
0: and what's worse is there's a conscription
1: oh of course
0: so people aren't happy because not only are our people massacring other harmless people but also people are being conscripted to go out and die in countries that are so far away yeah like it's not a great time for anyone in portugal at this point
1: no and i'm imagining some of the soldiers ordered to do that probably were some of these conscripted soldiers probably which absolutely grim yeah like there is oh
0: there's no coming back from this this government is it's gone off people aren't, aren't fans of it anymore so the thing is that there is a little bit of a rift already between the military and the mm. government, and this massively increases because there are all these military officers who are like, this is stupid, it's yeah. pointless, we don't want to do it anymore.
1: Do I smell a military coup coming along?
0: Yes, ah. because the revolution of 1974 is called a popular revolution, right? but it's actually a military coup. Of course. I love a good military coup. Yeah, well, well, I love this one, <laughs> yeah. and, and I'll tell you why. In They're
1: a bit. interesting, historically <laughs> speaking, even if they frequently can be awful. Oh yeah. Okay. So in
0: 1974, several military officers formed the MFA, which is the Armed Forces Movement. Okay. And um, and they decided we're going to overthrow the government. Mm. So they gathered outside of Lisbon, and they awaited their signal to begin this coup and to like. Join forces. Okay. If you're going to do a military coup, it is really hard to work out what your signal's going to be. Yeah. Um, so they were pretty clever about it. They had some people they knew who worked in the radio stations.
1: Oh, well, that's handy. And <laughs> someone just goes, <laughs> and that was the nine o'clock news. And now, boys, now.
0: <laughs> no, no. They wanted to be more subtle. Ah. So they waited for their song to come on. Their song. Their song. So their song was called E Depois do Adios, uh, which was Portugal's entry in that year's Eurovision Song what? Contest. <laughs> and it was super popular. Loads of people knew it. <laughs> and this was the signal for them to synchronize their operations.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> It's kind of a jazzy, soulful mir- military coup we're going for here, then. Yeah,
0: it really is. Like, <laughs> I don't know why. I've got this image of like that would be a good song to play over like a silent battle scene. Mm.
1: Possibly. Yeah, it like, would be it would be like the end of a film. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I'm thinking that.
0: like Jojo Rabbit style. You yes,
1: know? yeah, absolutely. But,
0: but yeah, so they waited for that song, and they this was aired at 10:55 p.m. on April 24th. Right. And so they synchronized their operations.
1: Wait, so were they actually doing this during the Eurovision Song Contest?
0: I don't think so. I think right. it's just that this was like okay. It was just song. it was
1: the entry, right. mm-hmm. okay. and
0: apparently, like according to my tour guide, anyway, yeah, there was um, a real sort of nationalistic feeling around Eurovision because it was their only chance to do anything with the rest of the yeah. like with the rest of the european community because yeah. they're all not allowed to immigrate Emigrate, yeah. sorry and they're not allowed to leave the country and Damn. see other people so this was the chance
1: was yeah. the eurovision
0: song contest <laughs> i've
1: just got this image now of it going through the eurovision song contest and I know you said it's probably not on that night mm. but just this image was like and now we go live to portugal for the scores <laughs> and it's just three soldiers hello from portugal <laughs> <laughs> we have taken control
0: that would be amazing
1: and our 12 points go to
0: <laughs> britain yay <laughs>
1: we like you again
0: yay <laughs> Oh, if only we ever got 12 points on Eurovision ever.
1: Well, we're not going to do that now, are we?
0: No. (laughs) (laughs) Brexit. (laughs) Okay, so at 20 minutes past midnight, the second signal comes, which is basically to start the coup properly. Oh,
1: right. I thought this was like, (laughs) this signal is for halftime, everyone. We're going to have a little break. There's going to be orange slices. There's going to be some nice cool water for everyone.
0: Um, yeah, if only. <laughs> no. I mean, there are some pretty cute things that happened during this military cute coup, surprisingly. And we'll... <laughs> military
1: cute. <laughs> and
0: military cute. Um, yeah, but we'll talk about that in a little sure. bit. Um, so this song, the second song, was a little bit more on the nose.
1: Okay. Um,
0: it's Jose Alfonso's song, Grandola Via Morena, mm-hmm. um, which is it's a folk song and jose alfonso was banned from portuguese radio because his music was seen as being against oh the, right you know against the government
1: yeah so this is like the the first cultural attack
0: yeah pretty much
1: right okay are we gonna listen we're to gonna it? listen to it not much to it so far it's marching Ah, oh, right Brandula vila mureina terra da fraternidad Who povrecke mais nordena entro the Tia Sida Oh wow so this is this is really like hand on heart oh my my country sort I know. Of thing.
0: I have no idea what the song's actually about I was gonna about. say I'm
1: being billing being a philistine english person i don't speak portuguese so i mean it could mean anything. so uh yeah but it it definitely is stirring isn't it like it's
0: a good song to march to i think
1: yeah i mean you were saying the other song is like slow pan over the battlefield at the end this is before the battle Yeah. yeah i think they
0: did the songs the wrong way around yeah they
1: kind of did didn't
0: they? i mean granted this one's the illegal song yeah
1: although that kind of would have been a bit of a i don't know a bit of a cool thing to start off your coup with with an illegal song song
0: that's true yeah i mean the problem is that so much was illegal in portugal at the time right so (laughs) i i heard from someone where they were talking about a friend of theirs who was like a lot older yeah and they had once snuck in to see an illegal screening of the rocky horror
1: picture show (laughs) too gay uh yeah (laughs) way way too gay (laughs) What is it with authoritarian regimes and being against LGBT
0: people? (laughs) Well, I mean, to be fair on this Portuguese one, they are very Catholic, so they're going with pre-established ideas. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But it does seem to be a theme.
0: It is a theme. Okay, so we've listened to this song. Mm -hmm. This means let's take over the government. Right. And to be honest, because... Like, this is the most efficient military coup I've ever heard of. Right. Like, the MFA just quietly went to occupy a load of the government and media buildings in Lisbon, and they lay siege to the bank. Wow. Um. And a few times during the night, they did yeah. get approached by government loyal troops. Yeah. And then they'd talk to the person in charge, convert them into being <laughs> part of the MFA... And then just have the rest of the troops join them.
1: Wow, this is a chill coup.
0: It's pretty (laughs) relaxed. So Wikipedia has this amazing timeline of every single thing that happened in terms of military stuff during this. Um, I'm going to give you some of the highlights because a lot of it's very dull and just saying what street people went to. So this is by 9.35 in the morning. Okay. Forces loyal to the government led by Brigadier Juan Quera dos Reyes, arrive at Tirero de Paso. Mm-hmm. At 10, in Ribera das Naos, Second Lieutenant Fernando Sotomayor of the RC7 doesn't follow Brigadier Juan Quera <gasps> de Reyes' orders to fire on uh, Salguero Meyer and his troops. Right. This prompted the brigadier to arrest Sotomayor and to order the soldiers to fire. Oof. The soldiers also refused. Yeah,
1: fair enough. We're like, the lieutenant's not going to do it. (laughs) No, we're we're not not doing doing it. it.
0: So Juanquera dos Reyes fired two warning shots into the air. Okay. Left. (laughs) And went to Arsenal
1: Street. Amazing. Where he sat down and had a cup of tea and thought about what he'd done.
0: Oh, no. (laughs) God bless him. He kept trying. Oh, bless. Um, At 10.45. Yeah. In Arsenal Street. Yeah. Brigadier Juanquera Quere- <laughs> Juan de Ries gave the order to fire on Lieutenant Alfredo Asuncio, um, who had been sent to negotiate with his forces. Yeah. Again, he was disobeyed by his troops and he ended up punching the lieutenant <laughs> three times.
1: <laughs> Same lieutenant or different one? Same lieutenant, the one who was sent to negotiate with Amazing.
0: him. Um, there's also a bit like, at... At midday at 12.15, Mm -hmm. um, Salguero Meyer, who's one of the main, um, like, on our side guys, uh, he went to Chiado, which is, like, one of the main uh, little, uh, what's the word, districts. Oh, right, yeah. It's one of the main districts in Lisbon. Yeah. Um, He led his column through the Carmo Street together with a crowd of civilian supporters at 12.15, and... Then he received orders to open fire on the GNR headquarters to force um, the prime minister to right. surrender. Yeah. And while they were doing this at twelve forty-five, the crowd distributes milk, food, and cigarettes to the troops.
1: Nice. Fair enough. Fabulous. <laughs> um,
0: <That's> so wholesome. <laughs> I know. So basically, they're there from twelve twelve thirty until seven at night, right. at which point the Prime Minister surrendered.
1: Damn, so the whole thing's over in less than a day.
0: Yeah, really. Like by half past eleven, everything was over. Yeah. Um and there was a massive crowd. All of the all of the people in Lisbon basically came out and celebrated.
1: Waving sardines. They
0: shouted, Well yeah. <laughs> God they love their sardines in <laughs> Lisbon. It's a thing. <laughs> Um, Yeah, so they all shouted, victory, victory, victory. They broadcast um, announcements on the radio to be like, it's over. We've got, we're going to go democratic, guys. Nice. (laughs) Um, Now, one of the most important stories from this revolution Mm -hmm. is the story of a woman called Celeste Queiro. And at that time, she was a waitress in a restaurant that's called Sir
1: okay Um, nice simple name
0: very simple name now (laughs) it
1: was across from another restaurant called madam (laughs) (laughs) if only
0: now sir's first anniversary was on the 25th of april oh okay and they wanted to celebrate so the restaurant owners bought carnations
1: yeah
0: like with the intention that they were going to give them out to customers to be like yeah it's our first anniversary we've made it makes sense Um, but they couldn't open on the day of their anniversary because of the coup
1: (laughs) oh that's just one that's just so annoying isn't it (laughs) you you're getting ready like your business you you've you you were tentative you were starting up Mm -hmm. a little bit nervous and you know things are going all right yeah and then you get to that one year mark and you're like yes we've we've made made it it. this is it it's great and what always happens is a military coup (laughs) comes along and stops your celebration and you're like again god this happened in my last place as well it's such a
0: bugger (laughs) So they were basically like, right, we can't open today. Yeah. There's a military coup. Yeah, possibly the best explanation for not going to work.
1: <laughs> Closed today due to military coup. <laughs> yeah.
0: So they gave Celeste the carnations and was like, go home. Yeah. Like, there's a coup today. You're not working.
1: <laughs> She's like, what the hell am I going to do with all these carnations? Well,
0: she was a slightly revolutionary bent herself. Oh, nice. So she had an idea. Instead of going home. Uh mm-hmm. she went to find the revolution. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Did she give out the carnations? She
0: did. Excellent. She gave them to all the soldiers Excellent. who put them into the muzzles of their guns to show that they had no um, no violent intentions. Oh,
1: that's kind of cute.
0: Isn't that lovely? Yeah. And then all of the flower sellers near where they were saw that these guys were getting decorated with carnations yeah. and they handed out their carnations as well. Oh, damn. And as a result of this... The revolution is known officially as the Carnation Revolution. Oh,
1: that's so cool. Yeah. At the same time, I bet some of those flower sellers were going, if we show that, you know, we're generous and we're on the side of this, maybe they'll, like, pay us back for all these flowers <laughs> we're giving away. This is my livelihood we're talking about.
0: Could be. Yeah. Um, now... One thing that was mentioned to me when I first heard this story was that because carnations are usually red, yeah. red is the colour of the carnation revolution, right. but it's not because of blood. Okay. Because this is one of the
1: least violent revolutions ever. I mean, it sounds like there was just a bit of arguing. <laughs>
0: Five people died.
1: <laughs> That's barely a revolution. That's more of a scuffle <laughs> and a peaceful exchange of power. <laughs>
0: Pretty much. Um, so one of the men who died was part of the secret police. Oh, okay. Uh, his name was Antonio Larg I think. L-A-G-E. Not mm. sure how to pronounce it. Um, basically, a crowd of mostly civilians had surrounded the PIDE building, which is where the secret police used to take... Um, political opponents to the regime yeah yeah Yeah. um and he there was this crowd around the building of civilians Mm. and he left the building in order to address the civilians and the soldiers outside yeah and as soon as he did that the crowd were like that man is
1: one of the agents (laughs) he has to die (laughs) okay fair enough so
0: he tried to flee yeah uh, but he was shot yeah well, the- that's
1: what happens if you join the secret police in an authoritarian regime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are first against the wall.
0: Yeah, basically. Well, actually, this man was the last out of the five to die. I oh, just right. mentioned okay. him because he's one of the baddies, and yeah. I want to start. I want to end up with the goodies, yeah. um, who you know, unfortunately, died as part of this revolution. Yeah. Um. So they all died on the same street as Antonio Laga. Actually. Oh right. Because they were part of the crowd. That was surrounding the PIDE building. Right. Uh, so these were young men. At least one of them was only eighteen.
1: Mm.
0: Um, they were Fernando. What, Gass- wait,
1: what? So these young men were part of this revolution.
0: They just saw the revolution happening, and they were like, "These are the people we need to target." Is the PIDE? But
1: why were they so angry? Because young men, there's no need to feel down.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. I say, <laughs> young men. <laughs> Funny that when you're um when your family members and friends may have been tortured uh, I,
1: and killed by the P.I.D. Okay, I think now I... you're making me feel bad just because it was a silly joke, just because you said young men. <laughs> Alright. I didn't think it through. I just heard you say young men and that was all that was in my head. Very well.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: okay young men there is there (laughs) there is a reason to feel down for sure
0: (laughs) and also your friends are probably getting sent to you know fights in angola and mozambique and no one wants to do that
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's the hidden fourth verse of (laughs) ymca
0: oh god imagine if there was a secret middle verse to
1: ymca (laughs) it's like the national anthem you never know like the other verses you don't really think about them (laughs)
0: Okay, so these four men were Fernando Gastera, Jose Baneto, Fernando Barreras de Reyes, and Jose Guillem Aruda. lots of Jose's, mm-hmm. um, and they, basically they were there in the crowd, and the PIDE fired on the crowd, yeah. and they were the ones who got killed. Damn. Um, apparently there is a small plaque to them, but... That's on that was put on the p i d e building, yeah, um, but the p i d e building recently got well in the last sort of couple of decades got renovated and made into luxury flats, oh wow, which a lot of people weren't happy about, yeah, um and so they almost took down. The note, like the sign the flag, that, yeah. that commemorated them, because the people who are there don't really <laughs> yeah. care about this. Like,
1: <laughs> this is not really appropriate anymore.
0: Yeah, in most versions of the history of this story, you can't find the names of the men who died. Oh, really? And most of them it says four men died, right. which is our uh, yeah, four yeah. revolutionaries. It's really odd.
1: Do, do you know why?
0: Um, I think it's just that people like to remember it as like a bloodless revolution and you kind of go it was a bloodless revolution only four people died and then you move on yeah because to be honest that is really impressive i
1: mean yeah but you know yeah (laughs) it's
0: it's worthwhile remembering the people who do die i think
1: and the secret police guy i guess well
0: (laughs) we can all yeah we can remember the secret police guy um but let's not no
1: let's not So what was the... You say, like, it was turned into luxury flats. What was it being used for before that? Like, after the revolution, pre-flats? Oh, I have no idea. Oh, okay. (laughs) I was wondering if it was used for anything or if it was just, like, a monument sort of thing. So
0: it was never made into a monument to, like...
1: The revolution. The
0: revolution or... Um, the PIDE well, I, I didn't atrocities think it would be. Yeah. or anything like that <laughs> okay yeah, y- yeah like you know in Berlin they have the um, topography of terror which yes. is where people were tortured yeah Um, they want like some people wanted to make this building into Portugal's version of that yeah but I guess people wanted to make some cash so
1: mm. yeah that's gonna happen capitalism gonna capitalist <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to That Time When.
1: <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at ThatTimeWhen4, and you can suggest any episodes to us at ttwpod at gmail.com.
0: Thank you, as always, to Kevin McLeod for his theme song, Anachronist, and for most of the other music Barnaby's used in the pod. <laughs> and also, thank you to ancient 1970s um, singers Zeka Afonso and... I can't find the name of the Portuguese singer. Ah, yes. Uh, Paulo de Carvalho, if Barnaby's managed to use them in the pod.
1: And thank you for listening. Now go out, invest in eels, and write songs for Coos.
0: Bye! (laughs) Young men! It's a military coup, I say, (laughs) young men, PID shooting you, I say, young men. (laughs)